Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. The big story of the week is the draft opinion by the Supreme Court that was leaked on Monday. The draft may still undergo some changes, but everything points to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and with it, the constitutional right to an abortion. So how did we get here? If overturned, there are 22 states with laws on the books that could outright ban or ban abortions in the very early stages of pregnancy. For more on what to expect, we'll speak to Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. This is about a lot more than abortion. The idea that somehow there is an inherent right, that there is no right of privacy, that there is no right. And remember the debate we had, you don't remember, but we had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There had been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it. Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and my guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way the, the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history. So this is a case that originally was about a Mississippi law that bans abortions about 15 weeks in, into pregnancy. And originally the case was just going to answer, like, is a 15-week ban legal or not? And, th- and that's it. But then Justice Ginsburg died. And that gave Republicans a supermajority on the Supreme Court when Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed. And it now looks like there are five votes to overrule Roe v. Wade. I will emphasize that Alito's opinion, the leaked opinion, is not final. Votes can change. You know, the opinion itself could change some. But every sign up to this point has been that they are going to do this. You know, they... uh, essentially allowed states to ban abortions last winter so long as states do it in sort of a roundabout way where they use private lawsuits to enforce the law. Um, At oral argument in the Dobbs case, I mean, I counted five justices who appeared very, very eager to overrule Roe. So, 
if I am a betting man, I'm going to bet that something much like Alito's opinion is going to come out soon, and that will be the end of the constitutional right to an abortion. How does the process work? Because this is a draft opinion. As you mentioned, it's subject to change. It probably will change by the time we get the final decision. That should be coming sometime in June, we think. But tell me about the process of uh, issuing these draft opinions and the revisions that they go through. So after a case is heard, the justices meet in conference and whoever is the senior most justice in the majority, which appears to be Clarence Thomas in this case, then gets to choose who will author the majority opinion. And he appears to have picked Sam Alito. And so Alito drafts the first draft of his majority opinion. That is the document that was um, leaked to Politico. And then the other justices read the opinion and they can do one of several things. They can say, I join your opinion in full. You don't have to change it. They can say, I'm going to write a dissent. They can say, I agree with the result, with much of what you have to say, but not all of it. I'm going to write what's called a concurrence in the judgment. Or they could say like, hey, I like this opinion, but like, here's some changes I would like you to make. And essentially what Alito has to do is he has to count to five. He has to get a total of five votes to sign on to whatever the final opinion is. So going into it, it looks like he had five votes. It looks like it's him plus Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett who all voted to overrule Roe v. Wade. And so he needs to keep all of them. Um, you know, some of them may request changes and those could be minor changes. Hey, I don't like how you worded this. They could be significant changes. And at this point, we just have to wait and see what the final opinion says. Now, this has all kind of been a long game. A lot of activists and a lot of these lawsuits that have kind of been brought up over the years haven't necessarily gone after Roe v. Wade specifically but, you know, they've, in, as you mentioned, kind of these roundabout ways, they've been asking the court to uphold restrictions that make it very difficult, very expensive for some of the clinics to right. perform the abortions. And so this is how they've been chipping away. I mean, it's been a, a concern for a long time, but now it seems like we've got to the point where it's going to happen. The reason why they got more aggressive in this case is that, as than they have been in the past is because the personnel on the court is different. And ultimately, I think the the thing to understand about this opinion, I mean, you know, it makes a, a legal argument. The dissenters will, you know, there will no doubt be a dissent, and the dissent will also make a legal argument. But like all of the argumentation around this is basically just a game. The reason why. Roe looks like it is now going to fall is because there are six Republicans on the Supreme Court and Republicans control or you know, Republicans don't like Roe v. Wade. You know, when there are only five Republicans on the Supreme Court, you know, Chief Justice Roberts is a little more moderate than the others. So he was willing to uphold restrictions on Roe, but, you know, might not have been ready to strike it down altogether. In the alternate universe where Democrats had a majority, then, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. This is solely a matter of personnel. What did it say in the draft opinion? Uh, you know, a lot of the arguments for this say that, you know, well, it promotes democracy, right? This is going to give the states their own choices now with how they want to regulate abortion. But what did they write in the opinion? 
Yeah. So you're right that, I mean, Alito leans very hard into a sort of pro-democracy argument that like this should be something that state leg- that state legislatures get to decide, not the courts. We're just going to return it to state legislatures. They can do what they want. The reason I think that that argument, you know, the sort of democracy rhetoric falls flat is because Alito and his fellow Republican are just extraordinarily hostile to democracy in virtually every other context. You know, Alito wrote two opinions that gutted important provisions of the Voting Rights Act. He's joined others that did the same. He wants to strip state Supreme Courts of their ability to strike down gerrymanders, state governors of their ability to potentially to veto gerrymanders. He has blessed, he said the federal courts cannot intervene to, st- to stop partisan gerrymanders. So Alito, I, I mean, if Alito wanted this to be a fair Democratic fight where Democrats and Republicans would campaign for against or abortion and we'd fight it out that way, I think that, you know, Democrats in a fair fight would probably win. I mean, the, you know, the polls that I've seen show pretty lopsided support in favor of abortion rights in the United States. But in the world that Alito has created, where he has struck down a lot of voting rights protections, you know, not not to, like, make our elections irrelevant, but to make it much easier for Republicans to win. All of a sudden, it's less clear, like whether Democrats can win the less fair fight that is coming. And so where do we go from here? Where does the fight go for abortion rights. We've seen a number of protests already break out. It's a very yep. charged issue. We we know this for quite some time now. As I mentioned, June is when we should be getting this final opinion. But, you know, there's already, I think you mentioned in uh, your writing, 22 states that have laws in the books already that either ban it or are very close to it. You know, they ban it in the very early stage of it. There's these other things called uh, so-called trigger laws that right. if it were to be overturned, boom, right away, the bans start coming. Uh, explain a little bit of that for us. So if if Roe is overruled by the end of the summer, 18 states will have either complete bans or what I described in the piece as near total bans, meaning they might contain an exception for things like if someone will literally die if they do not get an abortion. But, you know, many of them don't have many exceptions beyond that. And then there are four additional states that have a ban which kicks in at six weeks, which is before many people know that they are pregnant. So, you know, you can't get an abortion if you don't know that you need an abortion. And so we're looking at 22 states that by the end of the summer will have very, very strict anti-abortion laws. Now, it will matter a lot what, what who controls those state legislatures in the future. And, you know, the most important event or the most important upcoming event that's going to decide the future abortion of uh, the future of abortion rights is the election. Right now, the state legislatures we have are locked in place until the next election. Congress, you know, the Senate has maybe 48 votes to pass a bill that codifies abortion rights, they would need at least 50, assuming that they have the the votes to abolish the filibuster. And so this issue is going to be decided in the election. And if, you know, the election goes well for Democrats, you can conceivably see a lot of these state laws appeal or repealed. You know, if Democrats pick up two or three more seats in the Senate, they could potentially pass a law that says, you know, as a matter of federal law, you have a right to an abortion. The election goes well for Republicans. You know, you're likely to see the opposite result. Right. You're likely to see more states enact laws restricting abortion. And if Republicans gain control of Congress and the White House, you could very easily see a nationwide abortion ban. One of the things that I've been seeing a lot, hearing a lot, uh, obviously from pro-abortion activists, they say, you know, you're not banning abortions 
if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you're going to be banning the access to safe abortions. I know that's a huge concern for a lot of women out there, you know, especially uh, lower income potential parents, right? Uh, you know, they don't want the child and you know, they get kind of roped into the whole thing. Those are other discussions to be had too. But on the other side of things, right, there are states like California is a big one who's already come out and said they're going to do anything they can to protect access to abortions. I think Governor Gavin Newsom said they want to propose some amendments to change the constitution to provide that access. There's other, uh, at least 15 other states as well as DC that uh, would keep abortion legal. So that's the, the other side of the conversation too. And, and I mean, and I will point out, like, I mean, before Roe v. Wade, even though abortion was illegal in most states, like abortions were still really common. I'm old enough to remember when, like, the big hit movie was 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 Dirty Dancing, which is a movie about someone getting an uh, illegal abortion. Like that was very, very common in, in that era. And the difference wasn't that people were necessarily getting less abortions is that they were getting abortions that were much less safe. Now, one thing that I think will mitigate that is that about half of all abortions now are what are called medication abortions, meaning that, you know, there's no surgery. You, you just take a pill and often, you know, the, the person receiving the abortion will, will take that pill in the comfort of their own home. So, I mean, that is a safer method of getting an abortion. That is an easier method to access. You, know, you don't necessarily need a surgeon in order to get a medication abortion. And on top of that, I, I mean, lots of states have laws that try to ban all sorts of drugs and those laws are not especially effective you, you know i mean you can find heroin in texas you can find cocaine in texas you can find marijuana in texas even though those are technically illegal substances and so in a world where texas can ban abortion outright I'm sure there will be a black market trade in abortion pills and they will be readily available to people who, who need them. The question is, A, like, I mean, just like when you're buying any other un uh, unlawful drug, there's no regulators to make sure that the drug is safe. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. It looks like it's all set to change. The discussion on both sides will be ongoing. You mentioned the next big thing, the midterm elections. There's a lot yet still to discuss on all of this, the leak as well, you know, how that got leaked, the process and the investigation on that. So we'll delve into all of that as it comes. Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Also in the news right now, UFOs. UFOs continue to be in the news as classified briefings have begun on Capitol Hill. But some lawmakers are frustrated saying that intelligence agencies are not taking it seriously enough. Lawmakers see these sightings as national security issues and want more analysts and surveillance systems dedicated to finding the origins of these aircrafts instead of just more reports of sightings. For more on what to know about these briefings, we'll speak to Brian Bender, senior national correspondent at Politico. Well, this all stems from new legislation that Congress passed and President Biden signed in December, directing the Pentagon and intelligence agencies to collect more data on these so-called unidentified aerial phenomena, which is the new catchphrase for UFOs, and also to do more investigation to try and figure out where they're coming from. And are they easily explainable? Are they drones? Are they some foreign adversary that's spying on us? Or is it some truly breakthrough technology? And so far, you know, the key members of Congress, leading members who were really pushed the bureaucracy to take this more seriously, express some dissatisfaction that they don't think four to five months later, um, the Pentagon is really answering the mail on this. They're supposed to set up a new office. They're supposed to dedicate more personnel, more resources to this, including, you know, more intelligence collection capabilities, whether it's satellites or radar, et cetera. And so the briefings themselves are secret. So we don't know exactly what they're being told in terms of new sightings or new intrusions into military or government airspace. But we do know that the progress reports that the Congress has gotten on how they're carrying out the new legislation have not gone over very well so far. And um, so that was sort of the big takeaway, which is some real frustration that in the view of some lawmakers, the Pentagon and others are yeah. still not taking this seriously enough. So we're hearing from uh, senators like Kirsten Gillibrand, Marco Rubio. Uh, there was another senator who said that you know they don't even trust uh, the Pentagon. They think they're hiding some information. What are we hearing out of them specifically? Yeah, well, Senator Gillibrand, Senator Rubio, both on the Intelligence Committee. Gillibrand is also a senior member of the Armed Services Committee. She, she chairs the Personnel Subcommittee. They've both been very public about this. There are other members that have been less public but have expressed, you know, a real interest in this subject behind closed doors. The quote you're referring to is actually a congressman in the House, Tim Burchett, 
from Tennessee, who has also become much more of a public advocate here for doing more, investigating more. He represents constituents who work at Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, which is, if you look in the old, all the archives of UFO reports of yore, that sort of comes up a lot as a place where there have been lots of kind of odd occurrences that people have reported. And so he's taken an interest in it. You know, there's not, I wouldn't say there's a groundswell in Congress, but I think what we really have seen is a turning point where you have some very influential political leaders who are very publicly saying, we don't know what these things are, or at least some of them, we don't know what they are. Uh Some of them are exhibiting these really high-tech capabilities and, you know, if nothing else, for national security reasons, we should probably figure yeah. out, are they good guys, bad guys? And that's kind of been how the conversation around UFOs, the UAPs, have has really changed recently, right? It's very much less about aliens and things like that. And it's really about this national security issue. You know, if these things are happening, if pilots, you know, trained Navy men, you know, things that we've seen in these videos recently, people that are out there in the field, uh, you know, they're not quote-unquote wackos, let's say, right? They're, they're trained military professionals. If they're observing this stuff, what is it exactly? Is it a technology? Is it uh, another country with something, these capabilities that we don't have? So really that's where the big focus is on and then trying to get it on this national security side of things. Right, or, or you know, is it one of ours? I mean, most, virtually every source that I've been able to talk to, whether in Congress or inside the government or someone who used to work in the government that had some purview over this subject, they will all say, we don't think these are ours. In other words, it's not some secret, deep, dark, classified program, you know, where we're testing some new aircraft that is way beyond what we've ever seen. But, you know, you can't rule that out. I mean, some people will say that's still a possibility. In other words, so secret, so well-kept that even the intelligence committees, even the senior leaders of the military don't know about them. And obviously that would be a huge story too, because it would effectively be a a government within a government where there's no oversight by the taxpayers' representatives. And so, you know, I I think that's still in the view of some a possibility, But, but you're right. The national security argument really has sort of taken over this debate. And I think also helped it become a little more mainstream. I mean, you don't sound so crazy if you're like, hey, are these the Chinese? Is this some foreign adversary that might be threatening us as opposed to, is this ET or some right, exactly. um, advanced civilization from far away? And, uh, and so, you know, as one source of mine always says, if these sightings were of craft that had Russian or Chinese markings on them, the Pentagon would be running around like a chicken without a head, trying to figure out how did they do that? Yeah. What kind of technology have they developed? Um, but because we don't know what a lot of them are, at least the most compelling reports, as you said, of these pilots, it sort of kind of falls through the cracks where people are like, well, you know, maybe it's something, maybe it's not, we don't really know. I mean, the good news is they don't appear to be threatening. Yeah, at, at least yeah, at least now. I mean, and that's why these conversations are so interesting, right? Uh, something that's been shrouded in secrecy for so long, we're starting to get little tidbits, you know, like that redacted report that came out not too long ago, uh, identifying at least the most popular or most common shapes of some of these UFOs. You know, there's always these little tidbits that we want to know more about. So you know, hopefully we start hearing a little bit more as, as these briefings do continue. Brian Bender, Senior National Correspondent at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, 
give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.